After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support him out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. Now, Jesus's mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Thank you so much, Kate. Awesome. Good evening, everyone. Are we okay? Yeah? No? Hello? So it's quite bright lights. So I wasn't sure if anyone was there. Um, good evening, everyone. We are we're co- we're continuing our series uh, looking through Luke 7 to Luke 9, saying that there's no one like Jesus. And, uh, and today we're really focusing in um, on, on the word of God and how we respond to it. But just before we get to the parable, I've been watching uh, a documentary on Netflix about quarterbacks. So anyone like American football? Yeah, good. Thanks for the feedback. Um, I don't really know very much about it, but I've really enjoyed this documentary. But what's really struck me is that they, they really, really have to communicate clearly and people have to really respond to what they say. The, the amount of different calls, plays, okay, now I don't know, maybe I'm speaking to people who have no idea, I really don't know what I'm talking about either. Basically, there's lots of different words they say and then they throw the ball in different places. That's it, basically. But everybody needs to, to listen well and respond to what's being said. And actually, as we look at today's passage, it's all about hearing something and how we respond. 
and we have a choice on how we do that. And I don't know about you, but my desire is to be somebody who shares Jesus with others, who shares the amazing news of, of who he is and what he's done for me with other people. I try to model, as we look through this passage, this good soil that produces fruit. That's what I want. That's what I'm hoping for. But actually, I know in my own life, the different parts that we'll go through here where there are so many times where actually I realize I'm not doing that so well. And as we go through today, you're going to identify with maybe most with one of the four places that the seed is scattered. And, and that's okay. And I also just want to kind of address before we even start that as we look at this, we're going to, to realize, to think of people in my own life who the word of God has gone to them and they have rejected it. And they're not following Jesus, and there is hurt, and there is pain in that. There's people, family in my own life, who that is the story. And I find that really difficult. And I want to encourage us, in some ways, if you're somebody who follows Jesus, this is an encouragement that you are good sore, not because of what you've done, but because of who Jesus is in you, for you. And you have an opportunity to bear fruit for Jesus. But this passage also gives us a place to go when we don't understand why people aren't always hearing it how we did. And it encourages us to persevere personally, and also to be deliberate about praying for other people. And so as we go through, I, I want to encourage us with what we're trying to do today is to put into practice God's word, be a hearer and also a doer of the word, bearing fruit for Jesus. If you guys have been here more than a week or two, you might know that the vision here is every life bearing fruit for Jesus. This is a really helpful passage as we think about what it means to embody that as a church, to be people that not only know who Jesus is for ourselves, but want to bear fruit for him in our lives and in, with the people around us. There's a, there's a familiarity to this passage. I'll be honest with you, when you get a passage that you know lots of people might know, that's not preferable. My preference normally is something obscure that I can do lots of research in and then maybe say something people haven't heard before. However, in its familiarity, let's not lose the depth that it has and let's not lose the kind of, the, the, the conviction maybe, even the comfort, I hope, the different ways that the Holy Spirit might want to speak to us through his word today, ironically, exactly what it's about, that we want to be people who hear God's word and respond to it. That's what this is about, but it's also what we should do every time we hear the Bible spoken at church and every time, so many other contexts, and we'll get to some of those later. The farm analogies uh, that we have here would have been familiar to the audience that was less so maybe for us now, but it would have been familiar. And yet still we see in verse 9 that still some, turns out it was the disciples, they always seem to get a bad rap in these kind of things, they didn't get it. They had to have it explained to them. Verse 9 says, they asked Jesus, what did it mean? He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. And can I encourage us, in light of the resurrection of Jesus, in light of us being able to know him by his spirit, that we can understand the word of God. Not because we're cleverer, not because we've got it more together, but because we have God through his spirit helping us to understand this. So I'm just going to say a short prayer now before we carry on asking God to help us to do that today. Jesus, I thank you that you're here in our midst, and I thank you that you want to speak to us. Thank you that you can speak to us and that we have the opportunity to hear you today. Please help us, even in the familiarity of this passage, to, to delve deep and to respond in the way that you'd want us to. In Jesus' name, amen. As we carry on, just maybe a tiny bit of context, what's going on here in this passage. Jesus, he returns to teaching as he travels. Luke, in the whole of this book, he's so adamant that Jesus is the saviour king who's come to seek and save the lost. It's a theme we see 
all the way through it. He's, he's healing and preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. We have this bit at the start that talks about women funding this ministry and having clearly responded to Jesus and given everything and being willing to, to sacrifice and to live in a way that's different and to follow Jesus in a tangible way. Farmers, they used to walk. I nearly, so I had this plan. I was going to walk down here with sweets and throw them at you. But then I thought, if I hit one person in the eye, then that's a problem on Monday or even a problem this evening. As I get, can you get sued for that? Can you get sued? Anyway, I decided not to do it. However, just picture this. This is how it works. The farmers will walk down the middle of a field. Not so much now, it's more mechanized. But in some places of the world, this is still how it works. And they will sow the seed. They will throw seed everywhere, hoping, I suppose, and being deliberate at times about looking for that good soil. But as we think about the word of God going out, we can, we can know that actually it does, it goes everywhere, and so it's up to us what kind of soil we are as we receive it. Because the word of God tonight, and if we give ourselves opportunity at times, it's, it goes out, and it's on us, it's on us to work out how we respond to it. It's on us to work that out. So we find today that in this parable, God's word, it must be met with faith, and it must be met with perseverance. And if, if, if we're going to be hearers that produce good fruit, then, then we're going to need to approach this with faith and pro- approach this with perseverance, responding to God in a, in a real way. And as we talk about being every life bearing fruit for Jesus, we also, also talk about having deep roots in, in God, in his word. And I, and I want to encourage us that it's about that today as well. This parable is recounted in other gospels, but the main focus of this one that we find here in Luke is the kingdom of God comes by hearing, so take heed how you hear. So let's be deliberate about that this evening. Let's remind ourselves of this parable, verses four through to eight. You can have a look in the Bibles that you've got. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattered the seeds, some fell among the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants, and still other seed fell on good soil, which came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. To be listeners and doers of the word, desiring spiritual growth, is an aim here today to hear well and to respond well to God's word. The late Keller suggests that this parable gives us three tests to determine whether or not we've truly heard the gospel message. Three bad hearts that we could have as we hear God's word and respond to it. And then the good soil response as well. And I've shamelessly stolen them because I tried to think of something better and there just wasn't anything better. So they are a hard heart, a shallow heart, and a divided heart, matching each of the first three grounds as we go through. I think, in fact, I know I can recognize the dangers of these in my own life. As we look at the first two, they really are what happens maybe when we initially respond to the gospel and how, for some, it doesn't stick. And and as we go through the others, I think they apply to us whether we've been a Christian for a long time or not. This good soil and and the thorns that can come up and choke what's going on in our lives. But I would also say, don't just discount the first two if you're a follower of Jesus. Because there's things within those, I think there's things that it can flag for us of what it looks like. Even as a follower of Jesus, someone who's saved, uh, to, to have a hard heart sometimes. Or to have a shallow heart in different ways. And so first up is the, the hard heart. And this verse at the end of eight, before we get there, whoever has ears, let them hear. That's what we're wanting to do today. To, to have ears that hear the challenge of this, the encouragement of this, and to leave different. That's what we should always want to do when we come to God's word. 
And that's the overall challenge of today. But first up, part one. Verse five says, the scattering the seed, some fell on the path. It was trampled on, the birds ate it up. And often when you're a preacher, you read through some commentaries and you try and think, well, what does this passage mean? And it's so ideal when Jesus commentates on his own passage. Because you just go, all right, I'll just read the second verse and then we know what, what we're doing. And actually it is helpful. And so let's read that. Verse 11, commentating on verse five. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Good, helpful. Thank you, Jesus. These, those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So the first test, beware of listening to the message of Jesus with a hard heart. It's possible to be in contact with the word of God on a regular basis, and yet it hasn't permeated the heart. A theoretical understanding of Jesus' message, it's not enough. You and I need to have a personal relationship with the truth. On this path, the thief is the, is the enemy, is the devil. And hard times, they can snatch away the truth. We can believe the lies of the enemy instead of knowing the truth of God's word and applying it and living it out in our lives. They've heard, but they haven't responded or changed. And I could think of a friend growing up, and, and for me, this is a really sad story, a close friend who, who I remember he always used to say, I just don't feel it. I don't feel it, Josh. Can I tell you, you don't always feel it? And that was a lie that he was believing from the enemy about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. I think there was a lot of, uh, around in the youth group of people saying they were experiencing this of God, they were experiencing that of God. And, and those things are good uh, and, and very likely true that people were experiencing God. But, but the lie that he believed as much as I told him, as much as those much older and further on the journey told him that you didn't have to feel it for Jesus to be real, that it was something about faith, he just couldn't get past that he believed a lie of the enemy and, and is not a follower of Jesus. And my response to that today is to be praying for him. That's what I want to be doing. And that's one story that I have. But maybe even as I've spoken, you think of people in your mind who you know have responded in the way that this passage is suggesting some might. The enemy snatching away the truth of God's word because it's easier to believe a lie or because they're just, they're just oh, the enemy wants to steal away. But, but I said, you know, there's going to be moments in our lives where we have to recognize that this is happening to us. A few weeks ago, I, I know throughout my life, one of, the, one of the things that God has always seemed to do really, really well is provide. Always. Always. Is, when I didn't have enough, there, there was something. And it's not, I'm not just talking financial, I'm talking about whatever it might be. I've known God to be a God that provides. But as I was looking at my next year, talking to my wife about things, I was going, I wonder how this is all going to work. This doesn't seem to line up with common sense. This doesn't seem to line and, and I felt really challenged in, this, in the sermon last week here at HTC that I'd forgotten a truth about God, that he's a God that provides. I felt challenged by the Holy Spirit on that. And so I responded, I apologize, and I've tried to live in this truth that God will provide for me and I don't need to worry about the future. So there's a recognition, even as we, as we read these things and recognize it's a response to the gospel, maybe somebody who isn't a Christian yet, there's also sometimes hard-heartedness in us, and if we're good soil, then maybe we respond and we aim to be fruitful off the back of it. So, the first one, the hard heart, the path. Second heart is the shallow heart, and that's the, the rocks. Verse 13, commentating on verse 6 those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So the second test, beware of listening 
to Jesus, listening to his message, listening to the word with a shallow heart. Maybe seeing Jesus as more of a service provider, listening to Jesus' message out of self-interest, but maybe not recognizing our own sin or their own sin in, in, in our lives. Uh, we, all, we all sin, we all fall short. And sometimes I think when we look at the Bible in this way, we, we tend to look for the things that work well for us rather than the things that are challenging. And if we don't put roots deep in Jesus, when the rubber hits the road, we can easily be knocked off path. I can recognize people who have walked alongside my life where actually the, the roots are just not in there deep enough for whatever reason. And so there's a, there's a real encouragement to us as followers of Jesus to be deliberate about putting down roots. I've been, um, over the last six years or so, been wanting to, to be ordained in the Church of England and been going through a long process of how all that stuff works. And at times over this, because it's been a long time, I've had to persevere. I've had to remember the identity that God has given me, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. I've had to remember so many truths from God's word so that I wasn't rocked by how long it was taking and how difficult some of the rejections were along the way to be able to persevere. And so that's my story to you, I suppose, by way of encouragement of saying when we do have deep roots in Jesus, that actually when difficult things happen, we can respond to them well. I didn't respond well every time, just to be clear. But we, can, we, we have those roots in there, so when push comes to shove, we can. And for those of you who've been around at HTC a little bit longer, you may have heard this story in a longer way, so I'm going to do it in a short way. But maybe eight years ago now, my, my dad got a call and he said, oh, they, I had something wrong with my ear, and they found a satsuma-sized brain tumor in my frontal lobe. And we were like, okay, so what does that mean? And within a week, he's in surgery. And thankfully, it wasn't cancerous, but actually, as they took it out of his frontal lobe, that's the area of the brain where inhibitions are um, and those kinds of things. And overnight, he kind of stopped really being my dad. He's now fully recovered, went back to work. Amazing. I was playing badminton with him six months after the, the operation, bearing in mind he had a stroke as well. There's all these amazing stories of God working in that season. But the thing that really struck me and the thing that I want to bring out for tonight is that even in the very worst moments, days after the operations... There were two things that hadn't left my dad. My dad's a Christian. He is an example to, to me in that way. And uh, there were two things that didn't change. One was his love for my mum my and our family. That was really cool. And two was his knowledge of scripture. He'd say crazy things followed by quoting Isaiah. And not only would he quote Isaiah, but it would be kind of like right in context and helpful for what was going on. And I, and I just wonder, as we look at putting our roots deep in Jesus, because the storms of life, as you read about storms in the Bible, it's not if, it's when. And so storms will come in life. So how deeply rooted are we? And when we're cut to our core and whatever happens to us and around us, what do we bleed? What, what is there at the core? And I was encouraged, inspired, that my dad had spent years and years knowing God's word and responding to it. And so when he was there at his worst the word of God came out. The truth of God came out. And as people who are good soil, when we're followers of Jesus, the hallmark of that is fruitfulness, but also this desire for depth. This desire to really know God's word, to put our roots deep, to read it, to know it, and to believe it. And we're gonna to get to the good soil and properly in just a moment, but first, heart three, uh, the thistles. This is 14, commentating on verse seven, where the thorns have grown up and choked the plants. And verse 14 says this, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not 
mature. And this is a flag for every single one of us in the room. As I spoke to people this morning, having preached this passage, this consistently was the thing that people were saying, yeah, actually, that is a real challenge in my life at the moment. And the third test, beware of listening to the word of God with a divided heart. Committed to Christ, yes, but also committed to other areas and to other things. Things that ultimately, deliberately or accidentally crowd Jesus out. Agreeing with the message of Christ, for sure. But because of other things that shout so loud, there's no room really to be hearing the word of God and responding to it. Being transformed and changed day by day. The psalmist prays, Lord, unite my heart. I've heard the thorns, I mean, it says it here in the passage, as, as worries, and then maybe riches and pleasures could be the successes of life, the good things in life. And I know there's different seasons in, in our lives. I remember when... A, I was a little bit younger and there were a few less children at home. I felt like I had a little bit more time. And maybe it was easier to be deliberate about finding space for God's word. And maybe, maybe for some of you coming out of uni, there was a, there's a sense of being on fire for Jesus and wanting to live for him and hear his word and respond to it. But actually the pressures of work, aiming for a next promotion, that all the things that as you think about what life is, are there and they're shouting loud. And, and I've said this before as a preacher and I, and I think in context it's true. Think these things aren't bad things. And that's still true. But if you've ever heard that, as these things at any point can become more important than Jesus, that's not true. The pecking order of our lives should still be Jesus first. Should still be listening and responding to the word of God first, even when it costs. Even when it makes you look different to the world around you. But so often, these voices that shout so loud, you give yourself a week off. And go, this week I'm only going to focus on X, Y, or Z. Can I encourage you that it's so important that it always needs to be our top priority. To hear and respond to the word of God. The, um, the doc- I'm only going to go there once more. The, uh, the American football documentary I was talking about earlier. Bear with me. One of, one of the quarterbacks in it was at this end of year like breakfast. And he'd been given an award for basically being a good guy on the field and a good guy off the field. And he was quoting somebody who the uh, award was named after. And he, he was basically talking about how this person was described as a loving father, somebody who was good on the pitch, good off the pitch, that cared about others, that was humble, that was this, that was that, all these lovely words. And what he wanted to and at the end he, he talk, talked about this person. He said, but the thing that everybody always misses off is that this person is also a Christian, as am I. So in front of like the, the, the Hall of Fame of all of the people in that world, he's saying, the reason this person is like this, is bearing good fruit and it's been seen, is that they're a follower of Jesus. And I want to say the only reason that I'm standing here in front of you, this is the quarterback, not Josh, although I guess it does track, is that I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and then there was this quote that I thought was interesting. He said, I understood, as I do today, that football will one day end and life will be based on much more than football. This guy is at the peak of that sport, and yet he's saying none of it matters compared to knowing Jesus, and everything that's going on in this world, in this life, it's only Jesus in eternity. And that's, that's a challenge, isn't it? To not be choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. To keep on making Jesus the main thing, not being numb to the gospel, it's, it's the best. It changes everything. And finally, we get to the good soul, listening and responding. I've called this being wholehearted, being wholehearted for Jesus. 
But the seed on good store stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. There are so many places, as part of being part of the life of HTC, that we get to hear and respond to God's word. Showing up here on a Sunday gives us an opportunity to do that, being in a small group does. I hear of so many people supporting one another as they, as, they, as they meet up and hang out and say, how are you really doing? And go beyond that as well. And can I encourage you, when you're in those conversations, in those coffee shops, open God's word together. Or speak about what it is that you've been hearing in your own quiet times as you've listened to worship. There's so many different ways that we can engage with God's word and be deliberate about being people who, as the good soul that we are, as followers of Jesus, can be a good soul that bears fruit by being intentional about listening to the word of God. And, and being wholehearted, let's not get it backwards. I think in my mind I go via path, rocks, and thistles nearly every time I aim to be good soil, to recognize where I'm being a bit hard-hearted, to recognize where I might be believing a lie, to recognize where I might need to have depth a little bit better, or where there's a lie that I'm believing or something that is a competing priority in order to, to, to be this good soil. And that's, I mean, that's just honesty. And, and I, the other thing I was thinking about while we were worshipping earlier, it's not on my notes, which I walked away, is to do with, if this really is an all-powerful word of God, how often do I just not make time for it? And how often do I, when I do make time for it, go, well, that was really helpful. That really worked, didn't it? And then just again, just kind of step back a little bit and leave it for a, a while. There's something about being wholehearted that prioritizes the right things. I've told stories, especially at the start, of people who maybe have fallen away, who have not responded well to the word of God, and, and, that's, and that's sad, and, and I pray for those people. But there's way more stories of encouragement, way more stories of encouragement here at HTC by God's grace, people bearing fruit for Jesus. Of those people I spoke about, they're people that I grew up with, but the two-year groups in my youth group, I think there's about maybe 20, 30 of us, nearly 50% of them are in full-time ministry now. God was doing something strange about deep roots in that particular youth group in Nottingham about, oh gosh, it's going to reveal my age slightly, some years ago, <laughs> about 20. Um, but God was doing something there, and there are so many more stories, and we should be deliberate about celebrating the stories where we see people bearing fruit, to encourage them when they're doing it, to remind ourselves that we are called to do that as well, to hear the word, to retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop and we're responsible for our own soil this, I'm my, your, your soil and how you being fruitful I can, I can preach now but it's not my responsibility it's yours we're responsible for how we respond to the word of God as we hear it and as we hear it we shouldn't keep it to ourselves as well and it's fascinating what comes next in this passage as we think about all of that because those who have heard and responded well they don't want to keep it to themselves. Verse 16, have a look back in the Bibles. It'll be on the screen as well. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under the bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that, so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. So we've still got that rhetoric having. Consider carefully how you listen. Whoever will be given more, whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. And there's two things I want to draw out, is that we're called to be a light for Jesus. When, we, when we've really responded to God's word, it will be automatic. You don't need to worry about whether that's happening or not. So consider carefully how you listen, because it matters. 
And there's a mission attached to our personal response to Jesus. And so often, though, we put our faith away. We go to work and pop it in the bag. We go to the gym and leave it in the locker. There are these moments where we just go, God forbid people notice that I might have changed. That would be awkward. That would be difficult. That would be a conversation I don't want to have right now before this presentation. Will, will you let God's light light up your life as part of what it means to respond to his word? Luke starts the passage today talking about three women. And they are, I think, in there for maybe lots of reasons. I think Luke is wanting to be deliberate about diversity and saying that Jesus' core crew were varied, with lots of different people, lots of different backgrounds. That's cool. But the thing I think it's really about with this is that they essentially have put into practice this parable. They have heard God's word. They've been changed and they're living differently, sacrificially, with everything. They've heard and they've responded to Jesus. They've responded to the word. And do you want people to say that about you? I know that I do. To bear fruit for Jesus. And we have a choice to do that today. And then on to the end of today's passage, we have this another weird, odd moment. I'm not going to say loads on it, but verse 19 to 21. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone said to Jesus, your mother and brother are standing outside waiting to see you. And he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. And verse 21, it's, it's not an exclusion, it's an inclusion. We're all part of God's family. Jesus is saying, you show yourself to be somebody who has heard and has changed, has heard and has followed me. By responding to the word of God. That's how you show that it's working. That's how you show that it's happening. So you've got the start of the passage, a living example in these women. And at the end of the passage, you've got the definition of how we're supposed to do it around this parable. Being deliberate about saying we want to be people who share what we know, but hear and respond to the word of God. He's not throwing shade on his mum and brothers, but light on our status with him. It's such an empowering thing. It's a platform that we stand on as we hear that we are children of God, ready to be lovingly corrected, guided, and helped by God, to recognize the unbelievable truth that lies in God's word and be deliberate about not only believing it, but putting it into practice. Good soil that bears good fruit. And we're going to come to to respond to this now. And in some ways, there's some simple responses. There's some challenging responses. And, And for all of us, I hope there is a a desire to go, okay, I'm going to be deliberate about what it looks like to respond to God's word both now and as I go into tomorrow as well. In Jesus' name, amen.